Bad at Parties is sponsored by Abbey Art Seattle and the Ballard Homestead, music, arts, and community events for people of all ages and incomes. With reoccurring events including the Moth Story Slam, Cathedrals, and The Round, there's always an event when you're in Seattle. Check out Abbey Art's online calendar for intimate performances by many of the artists featured on Bad at Parties. Learn more about this nonprofit organization and how you can attend, volunteer, and host events at fremontabbey.org. Hey gang, this is Andy Zook, and you're listening to Bad at Parties, one-on-one conversations with artists at the corner of the party. My good friend Tom Roram is on the show. Tom and I have been playing music around each other in Seattle for a long time, and it's really, really exciting to see what he's been up to with his band, Lowlands. They are putting out a brand new record this month. Lowlands is coming out with an album Sunday, March 19th at the Triple Door in Seattle. Definitely check out that show. They'll be playing with Bradford Loomis, another Seattle staple. Uh, It's going to be a fantastic night. You can find a link to get tickets to that show in the podcast details. Just click on that, buy your tickets, boom, you're there. As always, when you're clicking on those links, don't forget to subscribe to Bad at Parties so that you don't miss out on any of these fantastic artists. Okay, here we go. Tom. Oh. <laughs> Did you restart it? I... I hope that you're just destroying the information. <laughs> All the information that's in there. It's just me. It's gone. But I'm a fiddler, you know? Yeah. I'm also very much like, I'm in a space, I'm like, what's all this? I'm entitled to touch this. <laughs> I should be touching every single thing in here. Yeah. Well, and there's no reason not to. <laughs> I also like that giant scan printer. Oh my gosh. This space is just full of like, it's not yet antiques. It's like 2027's antique library right here. Yes. Like, yeah. These, are, these would be good future investments if you wanted to get some like... This is all, yeah, this is all good, like, early 2000s equipment right now. Right. Paper? Like, people are, people are buying up, like, the really old computers. Like, if you found a giant, like, like, first decade of Macs, Mm -hmm. you'd be like, whoa, this is cool, I'm gonna sell this on eBay. That's what all of these things are like, whoa, I like... Early millennium Dell computer. That's so tight. <laughs> I can't wait to put that on the internet. Awesome. Ugh. <laughs> oh, I gotta gram it. You're gonna gram it? I'm gonna gram it. Dude, get it in there. Do you have an Instagram for this podcast? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's at bad at parties. At podcast, bad. maybe. I think there's a podcast at the end of it. It's pretty tight. You're getting some serious snaps right now. Alright, this is... Yeah, this will be good. I'm... Yeah, I'm not a great grammar. I don't have good grammar. <laughs> I All I do with, like, I have, like, three of them. So I have my personal one, I have the one for the band, I have the one for the podcast. And for the one for the podcast, all I do is put up stuff for, like, hey, there's a new episode. It's just a way to, like, let people know. Band stuff, I'll put up more. But, like, personal, I have zero desire for it. It's exclusively yeah. to, like... This is where I only have stuff to look through when I'm on the toilet, and I yeah. want to look at just my friends, which is a weird thing. Like, that's... It's just like, hey, I'm shitting, and I want to see my friends right now. Yeah. Personal Instagram. Yeah. 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 I mean, you probably have one for Lowlands. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I just realized that you can have... <laughs> like... Because when it first, when Instagram was first around, yeah. you couldn't you couldn't have two accounts at the same time. No. You'd have to log out and log in, which yeah. I was doing. 
We were all doing it. I wasn't. I was like, <laughs> F that. I'm not going to do that. Good gracious. So I ha- I made a Lowlands one and had one picture on there for like a year. Mm-hmm. And then just like last month, I realized that I can have two at the same time. Dude, I just found out you can now have an Instagram where you're putting up a picture and then it's like many pictures and you can like swipe through them in a oh, single post. Oh my gosh. They literally did this like a week ago. Which is brilliant. Yeah. It's super, super cool. I saw, like, the first time, like, one of them came up, and it had, like, dot, dot, dot underneath mm-hmm. it, and I was like, what's that? It looks like I'm supposed to swipe. Oh, shit! <laughs> so I, I learned a thing. They know, they know me. They yeah. know how my brain works. Yeah. All right, what's this beer? Okay, so this is Counter Balance Brewing Company. Here's oh, yeah, that's down on Queen Anne. Yeah. Um, I was at the shop, and the very loud shopkeep uh, was saying... Well, life's all about balance. And I walked over and I literally saw that immediately. And there was a duck balancing on it. And I said, <laughs> yep, that's a sign. That's what I'm supposed to buy. That's that's it. Yeah. I, I did not want to get an IPA tonight. No. No. In fact, I'm feeling a little bit sick and I probably shouldn't be drinking. But I was just like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna do that because of destiny. Yeah. Like, destiny told me I'm supposed to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So I just jumped right in. No, it's the way to do it. It's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, IPAs, you know, yeah. It's good. Um, I just saw your video. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. You yeah. did that, like, this last weekend. St- side note, are we, like, actually... Yeah, this do- has been going for, like, a bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just kind of, it's just- I thought there were, you were going to do, like, an intro or anything. Something like nope. That. This is just how it goes. This is just how it goes. It's just awesome. us talking. Yes, the video. Uh, yeah, we... Um, uh, I did it with Brad, Bradford Loomis. Mm-hmm. And uh, we did it up in Everett at... Um, the old armory, which coincidentally, I don't know that. Yeah, it's it's like literally where their armory was, like oh. so where there was guns and all that type of stuff. Okay, Mars Hill Church took it over, mm-hmm. and so it's now now it's a different church who was the Mars Hill campus in in Everett, right? And they formed their own church. So it was like funky space, but there was the, we filmed it in this hallway, or this it was what used to be a shooting range. So it's like this long okay. hall. Dude, That what a perfect spot to be owned by the Mars Hill Church. <laughs> right. A gun range. A gun range. An armory. <laughs> On point. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then, it, it you know, they, so like they had, <laughs> when we got done filming, I was like looking around and you know, had the big sanctuary and, you know, there's crosses all over and, and then they had like books on the back shelf and there was like an iPad that you could like, that they had like bolted down mm-hmm. and you could like buy a book right there. But the, oh. <laughs> when you turn it on, it like still said Marcel Church no. on the opening screen. No way. <laughs> like, like they just they just sold the Yeah. They, they just sold they're like, eh, whatever's there. The iPad, sure. And they're yeah. like, eh. Yeah. Here's I mean, is it still owned by the same church though? Is it did they just rebrand? Well that's the thing, is like once Marcel dissolved, I think they just kept they just stayed the church and renamed themselves, but yeah. kept all the stuff. Sure. So like in the basement where we were at, there was like all these like old Marceau, like, parking signs and things like That's that. That's so funny. Yeah, I Did you ever go home. there? I went there uh, twice. I uh, went to a service twice because I wanted to check it out. Sure. And see what it was like. Right. I mean, it's a thing to do. It's a thing to do, I yeah. was going to church at the time mm-hmm. when that was still an active church, mm-hmm. and I listened to Mark Driscoll talk, and yeah. I never had a good experience. Yeah. No. I mean, I like the music because, I mean, that's the best thing that came out of that right. church is... A lot of really good musicians right. played there. And, and that you played with. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There was a 
You have the bass player, right? Yeah, Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen. Yes, I mean, yes, but yes. like tons and tons of good bands. Like I think that that's how um, a bunch of the dudes in uh, Deep Sea Diver got to like yeah. know each other, and like a bunch of other kids yeah. and like other big bands. Yeah, and Ivan and Alyosha, I think, yep. were were Marcel folks. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, they all were like, well, this is crazy. Yeah. This yeah. Is, like, going from, like, this is a, we've got our quirks, we've got our issues, and then it was like, oh, there's, this is, like, a batshit crazy, like, hellish circus. It's so hard, though, when you're like, but I don't have practice space, and this is providing me free practice right, space, right. which is so crazy. Like, I, I could totally see myself putting myself into a really bad environment for something like that for a practice space. for a practice space well, especially I'm, in Seattle oh, isn't that Holy. such a typical thing though oh like a band gosh. just being like yeah. yeah the landlord's a dick he's stealing like like a bunch of shit <laughs> probably he's dealing drugs out of the band practice space but uh, it's like dirt cheap yeah and like, nobody complains and we can practice bucks too. a month yeah <laughs> like that's real life I heard a, a an NPR like or like a K, it was KXP but they were talking with the gal who runs um, oh, it's that, uh, I'm totally blanking on now. I had it in my head when I started this sentence. It's the, like, apartment slash band practice, like, building that's up on Capitol Hill. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? Uh, um, there, well, there's a place that my guitar player used to practice that was on Capitol Hill that, I think, there's a studio in there, too. Yeah. But it was... Uh, <laughs> I, I keep on thinking Honey Hole, but that's the sandwich shop. It's the sandwich shop. There's also... Well, <laughs> this place was ne- next to this place called... Oh, gosh. What was it called? Like, The Dungeon, which is like a... Yeah. Which is like a like S&M, like, sex shop. Tight. So you could get, like, scary leather stuff. It's only scary if you're scared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was scared. <laughs> Looking at that. Well... I don't know. I would be thrilled if you told me that you were buying things from there. Yeah. Because you're a mild-mannered dude who, yeah, like, works at, just like... real kinky in the bedroom. Like, that... I mean... Please give it all away right yeah. now. Yeah. No. 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 Okay. No. I'm... No. No. Later. Later. Uh, later. <laughs> no, you're a dad. Yeah, yeah. I'm a dad. I... Yeah. No, it's, it's good. Yeah. When we... So we ran each o- into each other at the Connor Burn. Yes. And I literally was like, oh, right, you're a dad, because I haven't seen you yeah. since you became a dad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know. And it's a little nutso. So, you know, have a new identity. I don't know if we talked about this, but, yeah. like, it's crazy when you become a father, and this is something, like, my wife Kelsey and I talked about, um, which was that you inherit this new identity mm-hmm. and unlike being like be- becoming married and mm-hmm. like getting married you kind of have a-, a sense of like what being married is going to be like because you have time to like you spend together you might move in together you have these like trial periods right sure. but with a child you have there's none of that there's only so much preparation that you can do there's only so many books that you can read but really you don't know what it's going to be like until it happens right and so then to Add in this, like, okay, what is this role that I have to be and have to perform that I have no idea how to do it? I don't mm-hmm. know what I'm supposed to do. So that's been, it's, like, been a crazy... And how, our, how old are your kids now? He is uh, 14 months. Right. Uh, so you've, you've been doing this for, like, over a year. Over a year now, yeah. yeah. And this, I mean, the start of it was a little nuts. Um, 
for us, so it, like, took us a little bit longer to, like, mm-hmm. catch up and become more uh, aware as parents just in, like, normal parenting. Right. I mean, um, you guys went through, like, craziness. Yeah. Like, at the start of it. And yeah. Should I go into... Should I, I mean, if you want to. Yeah. I Because I don't... And I say that not because we're on a podcast. Like, everyone is future ghosts. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's literally just us in the room. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, really... Like, you and I have never talked about that. I know, yeah. like, I have, like, Facebook-level knowledge yeah. about what you yeah. went through. Yeah, I'll break it down for you. So, my wife, pregnant, Kelsey's pregnant. Right. Very pregnant, and it's uh, right before Christmas. The due date was the 24th. And uh, we, um, leading up to that week, uh, Kelsey was having, like, a super normal pregnancy, like, mm-hmm. Like, by the book, you know, things were happening. And so they're like, you know, it's probably going to be a little later than Christmas. Maybe it'll, you know, maybe he'll come early. But that wasn't looking like it was going to happen. And I was at work on the 23rd. Mm-hmm. And Kelsey texted me and was like, I haven't felt Lucas, my son, mm-hmm. move at all. So uh, that's not necessarily the best sign. But it's also like, at the end of pregnancy, like, they just don't have very much room. So sure. they don't move. But at the same time, when things like that are happening, you're saying, hey, let's stay in constant communication when that happens. Yes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And so it it um, it became uh, apparent that, like, something, he wasn't moving at all. And, like, so she had dinner laid down. You're supposed to, you know, drink water, put your feet up, all this type of stuff. And didn't feel anything. So we called the doctor, and they were like, you know, just come in. Like, get checked out. It's right. probably nothing. We'll probably send you home. Like, but you're just going to feel better. Like, they were very nonchalant about it. So we arrived at the hospital, and it is kind of an intense process because they, like, you get you in the bed, and then they, like, hook up all the monitors, and they got to get her blood pressure readings. Mm. And, like, so, like, they're like, it's going to take, like, you know, half an hour just to, like, get good levels and stuff like that. But, like, very quickly, once they started monitoring, they were like, oh, yeah, he's not doing great. He's mm-hmm. not doing great. And they're like, we're going to admit you. Yeah. And then it was like, you're definitely going to have the baby. Right. And like, then, it was just like, this is happening. Yeah. Like, like, happening and so right. we're like, oh, great. And luckily, like, we, you, we brought, you know, a bag of clothes and stuff. So, you know, because mm-hmm. we're like, right, just in case. Yeah. You just like, it, yeah. were you doing like that? We always keep it in the car. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sure. We had, you know, had it by our bed. And so, um, so we're like, well, I'm glad we <laughs> grabbed that. Mm-hmm. And it was... Uh, and we're like, okay, we're going to have a baby. Awesome. This is going to be good. And then it was like, okay, like, we're looking like we might have a C-section. Maybe we can do induction. We'll see. And is as... Is there, like, as this is happening, is there, like, a... But we're still concerned, like, why is he not moving? Right. Like, no, no. It, it, afraid at this point. Yeah. It's not... It, it wasn't, like, total, like... It wasn't total uh, craziness at that point. But it was... They, they were saying, like, he is under some level of distress. Right. I feel like at that point, you've been you've been going through moments of nine months of like, oh no, yeah. okay, everything's fine. Oh yeah. no, okay, everything's fine. Yeah, and yeah. like in pregnancy, there's all these like very normal things that happen. and That are super weird if you've never that experienced are, Exactly, yeah. exactly. But this was like, they were like, yeah, he's in distress and she was, Kelsey was having many contractions that she couldn't really feel, but every time she did, his heart rate would go down, which is bad. Right. So, <clears throat> as the doctor's talking about the options, like, okay, we might induce, we might, you know, do C-section. He's, like, looking at the monitor, and then he's like, no, 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 we got to do a C-section right now. And, like, at that moment, like, seven nurses run in the room, and they, like, wheel Kelsey off, and they're handing me all these forms, like, you need to sign all these, you know, blah, 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 Jeez. blah. And then they're like, you need to get in this jumpsuit, we're going down to the OR right now. 
So I put on this, like, painter's jumpsuit. Yeah. And I, like, run down, and I couldn't get it zipped, so we had to, like, put surgical tape on it. And then we walk into the room, and, uh, you know, they've got the operating room set up. And then there's this weird thing that happens. I'm just realizing, because you're giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's why they taped it up. Yeah, yeah. And, like, (laughs) and then they, uh, and then they, there's this weird moment in an operating room where they call it quiet time. Sure. And, like, all of a sudden, everybody kind of stops, and it's quiet. And it's basically a a moment for them to, like, make an even, uh, you know, even start. So that, like, Hmm. everybody stops. There's a quiet moment. And then it. They go around the room like, I'm Dr. So-and-so, this is what I do, I'm the nurse, I'm doing this. And then it's go time, and then like, sure, crazy, having <laughs> surgery, mm-hmm. <clears throat> pulling out the baby. So once he was born, it was very apparent that things were wrong. So hmm. uh, we didn't really know, and they didn't know what was going on specifically, but um, he came out, he wasn't breathing, so they had to resuscitate him, started breathing, there, there's a, they call it like the APGAR score or something like that, but it's, you know, how much breath they're taking. Right, exactly. He failed it, so first test that he failed. <laughs> didn't, didn't pass at all. First test he takes. <laughs> Just, bad start. Yeah, bad start. Um, and then, so that was intense, and then they wheeled him away, and they're like, we need to get him to the special care unit. And then they were working on him. He needed, like, blood transfusions, like, right away. Ugh. I mean, it was intense. So they, I had to make a, dis- a choice at that point to be like, go. Do I go with Kelsey? Do I go with Lucas? So I w- went with Lucas. Kelsey got wheeled back to recover. And then from there, it was very apparent that he had a very intense trauma happen mm. and got transferred to First Hill and was in the NICU for two and a half weeks. We later found out that it was a big culmination of uh, of a couple things. There was. Preeclampsia, which is high blood pressure for okay. pregnant women, which was really really acute. Like she, Kelsey, didn't have any signs of it until that day. Right, because and that's a big problem for the baby because if you have high blood pressure, then that means it's when you're going through those contractions, it's just like hitting the kid yeah. really hard. It's like basically like hitting the kid with a train. Sure, like every contraction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like bad news, which is why the the heart is slowing down because yeah. it's like all of a sudden it's trying to take this pressure and instead it can't beat at that speed. Yeah. So it's just kind of. Yeah, it's like, and, and bad news. So then there was also some, like, possibility that he could have had a stroke. They didn't really know. The long and short of it is that he has a brain injury uh, called uh, HIE, which is hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, mm. which basically is a lack of oxygen on the brain. The harrowing fact that we later learned was the doctor who delivered the baby told us that if we had not come in, when we did, he would have died. And if we had not come in, it was very possible that Kelsey would have died. What is that? So, so What is that? Yeah. So just that fact alone was uh, sobering. And then to then have this totally different experience than what we were expecting. You know, mm-hmm. we went in with our kind of, you have a plan, like, we're going to listen to this music, and we're going to this, and <laughs> right. we're going to have this. So when you're not in, like, it's life or death, you're right. thinking about, like, what's going to be the soundtrack? Right, yeah. What's what are the say? smells that we might yeah, like? Exactly. You're thinking about sensory experiences, <laughs> yeah. not like, are we going to make it through? Right, and not like, is Dude, our son going to live? There's a metaphor for real life. Yeah, good lord. Mm-hmm. So he uh, has this brain injury. The, the, the gamut of what that means 
is very wide. So sure. the neurologist right away was like, we've seen kids with less injury of his be have very severe physical signs. We've wow. seen kids with more injury have almost non-existent. Hmm. Um, it just really depends so it's, on... So it's just like, at this point, it's yeah, too soon to tell. Too soon to tell. This is, you know, right when he was born. Of course. And so the brain at that age is like very... There's a high plasticity, so that like mm-hmm. really... It's really was up to him to, to, to decide if he was going to like rework his brain. And as of this point, like he's on track developmentally. Sure. So like he's able to... He's starting to take steps. He's been able to use both of his uh, arms and legs. And, sure. and really we, it, f- it feels like we like just dodged bullet after bullet. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And that's... I think mean, that's so crazy. I mean, working a lot with developmental disabilities and a lot of like I worked in for a while with kids in in centers like that up in New York and just like seeing situations where it was just like everything was fine everything was fine and then like birthing happens and Mm. it's just like we are suddenly launched into a world we had no idea of like like as much as it's like I'd say like the the fact that they're alive is the Mm. is the craziest thing of course like I, if, if anything happened, I could imagine no, mm-hmm. like, if anything, like, happened to, to him di- developmentally, mm-hmm. like, I couldn't imagine a better person. <laughs> like, you're the sweetest of people. Yeah, like, thank you, thank you. Yeah, but at the same time, like, that's so terrifying. Yeah. Just to say, like, my plans mm-hmm. are totally up in the air. Yeah. I have no control over this right yeah. now. What did you, I mean, like, so, like, you partially brought this up to me. I wanted to, like, talk about this. Yeah. You partially yeah. brought this up to me really briefly, like, when I saw you yeah. at a bar. At an yeah. open mic. And, yeah. like, you, I just was like, hey, you've got a kid. And then I was like, oh, yeah, didn't, like, some craziness happen? And yeah. you just kind of launched into it. And I was like, whoa. So I backed off because I didn't think it was, like, I was like, I don't want to make Tom, like, dive into this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Surrounded by these people. You just played some music. Mm. And I was just like, I don't know. I feel like that's probably something that, happens a lot yeah. right now right mm-hmm. like I don't know that I I feel like this is just the two of us mm. talking and it's a safer space yeah. or something like that but do you feel like that's happening a lot right now or like where you like you're actively reliving that just like okay yeah. I guess I'm doing this now yeah and maybe that's just this maybe that's right now yeah yeah <laughs> like it's yeah honestly. it's an interesting question because it's like two there's two parts of it like for me personally just as a as a human being, I'm a pretty open person. Absolutely. And like, uh, I there. I don't know if you've ever done like Strength Finders. It's mm-hmm. this. Yeah. So I'm a wooer, which is win others over. Mm-hmm. And so if I meet somebody and I make a connection with them, like we're best friends now. And mm-hmm. so I have like a very trusting nature in that sense. And so if I met somebody at the bar and they were like, "Oh, you're a father," I'd be like, "Yeah." And if it opened up, I'd tell him the story and I would have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. And for me, especially at the beginning, it, it was, it's been very therapeutic to like relive that story. Mm. You know, it's not something that I want to shy away from and it's not something that I want to hide even from Lucas. You know, I want, I want this to be a part of our story because it was hard. Yeah. It's a part of your story. It's a part of our story. Yeah. And there's, and there's, I don't think there's any good that can come out of hiding that information and 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 what I realized and when we talked about it in the hospital because I had done these Facebook posts 
Mm-hmm. And we had talked about, like, should we do that? Should we not? And I was like, honestly, the more people that we can involve in this and the more people that we can bring into, excuse me, bring into our lives, the better. And I, I, don't, I didn't see any harm in saying, Kelsey and I are at, a, at like, the point where we barely are able to, to survive. Sure. And we don't know what's going to happen, but even just thinking about us, even checking in with us, is going to be helpful. And it was incredible to see how a community could surround us. Hmm. Um, So I'm all for, like, I don't think you need to, like, bury your weeping soul every time someone is like, how's it going today? Like, well, I'm reliving this moment. It's like, yeah. And I don't think that that would be, also, I don't think that'd be truthful to your experience. It doesn't seem like that'd be truthful to your experience. Yeah. And, and like, we had our big emotional moments, but it's, I, I do like to tell people, the story because it's it brings I think it brings some intimacy for those people to you know be like I want to share this with you I want to bring you into this sure. world that we experienced absolutely um, yeah but I and in general I'm also like a pretty open book when it comes to my life so right <laughs> which, which is why we're gonna go back to the leather daddy stuff right. that you were talking about <laughs> Capitol Hill oh god no no I mean that, and that makes so much sense I. I think that that's beautiful, and I think that I think it's rare. I think a mm-hmm. lot of the time, uh, you know, people go through that stuff. Stuff that I've gone through that's been really similar to that has, mm-hmm. you know, you know, obviously not a father, right? But like my own experiences that have been somewhat also or also traumatic, yeah. also like life scared right. moments. Right. Um, I just think that you know, it's it's that that careful balance of. How do I reapproach this with somebody? Right. Is this safe for them? Am I allowing them to to experience this in a growing space, or am I? Is this just I'm taking? I'm taking. Right, this? and that's that's interesting too, because uh, you don't want it to be. You don't want it to have it be always about you. I think that's a tricky balance, you right. know. Um, but I, I do think that there's like an aspect to how we live in today's world that we can be so vulnerable online and so vulnerable, like, through our phones, but, like, in a one-on-one situation mm. mm-hmm. that there can be walls. I also think Absolutely. that there's people think that, like, I don't want to burden others with this, which I'm always, like, that's bullshit. Like, right. you have friends, like... Dude, the concept of your... I don't want to burden people with this is, is a made-up concept, and I truly believe that. Now, yeah. obviously... What it I, here's what I really think it is. I think it's mostly about trust, which right. is where I come from. Is like a, I don't want to tell them why because I don't think that they're going to respect me. I I feel vulnerable in this, yeah. and I don't want to get hurt by them because right. I know that they won't use this space. So yeah. it's like a self preservation. Absolutely, aspect, I think it's yeah. less of a oh I don't want to bother them. It's more like a I don't want them to fuck me over. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's and I think that that's just it, is you might be a little bit unfuckable over. Yeah, yeah, a I little mean, bit. <laughs> I'm unfuckable. Yeah. <laughs> well, without the leather. <laughs> without the leather. Without the leather, yeah. But then... I have a... Whoo! Yeah. Put me in some leather Can't stop. Yeah, yeah. It's Ooh. dangerous. It's dangerous. Got to call the police. You don't even have a safe word. That was too far. I went to... I went up to the line and then I just crossed over. No, no it's okay. I liked it. Yeah. I liked it so much. <laughs> so much? Yeah. No. So much. Do you feel... So you simultaneously 
like you are now like a year into that mm-hmm. being a dad doing that like getting through this traumatic first period going through the like are we doing okay we're still mm-hmm. doing okay are mm-hmm. we doing okay we're still doing okay mm-hmm. and at the same time like you're actively you've actively been like creating music and pursuing these processes that are not again not security building these yeah. are like risk taking and and giving and like giving it a shot like I think yeah. that that like these are the th- reasons why I bring this stuff up is it's yeah. like I just see you constantly just like I'm going for it yeah 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 yep yeah that's crazy yeah do you feel good about that how's that feeling to you uh it's scary yeah like every day is terrifying mm-hmm. and and it's hard this is what is <laughs> being a father is it's like tough on so many levels and I think one thing that I think it's understated is that like it's okay when you have a child if you ever have a child mm-hmm. it's okay to feel like your life is being sucked up and that you're like missing out on things mm-hmm. because in reality and in in the totality of life it's going to be such a blip on the map like these first 2 years of of Lucas's life have been hard and like hard because having a child is hard absolutely i mean uh, any time so heather and i talk about this a yeah. lot is that idea of like committing to something new or trying something new is a exciting and b the death of unknown possibilities right like you have boundless options at yeah. any given moment but when you like choose to do something right all of those possibilities die right not that like you can do nothing but you are committing to letting them fade into the ether instead you're right. making a choice you're choosing a specific path right and of course you can choose other paths later on but right you're saying like at this moment i cannot do multiple things yeah. at the exact same time and yeah. so there's a mourning process in that right. i feel like and and for me it's been it's 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 such a tricky balance because you know it was already i was already per, you know i'm pursuing uh, this musical um my musical aspirations you know hoping to have like a legit career in music mm-hmm. and as i think any independent artist knows it's like that's a really hard thing to do and especially as a musician mm-hmm. and so you know it's right now i don't make any money personally off of playing music but Mm -hmm. all of it goes into like trying to launch right but on top of that you know you have to pay the bills so i have you know another job Mm -hmm. and which is which is great which is great yeah like that and i feel like you've got a a great job for a long time that you've really liked absolutely super super tight which is super great and it but it's hard even before lucas came along it was hard to like be like okay, like balancing these two things. Mm-hmm. Then when you throw in a child, it's like I have three things that require a lot of my energy and mental space. Right, you could do nothing but X yes. and, and be busy. Yeah, and you're doing that multiplied. Yeah, threefold. Threefold, and so like, like I. I, I like I feel like it's and I feel bad with especially with friends of mine that are like we want to hang out we want to see you and it's like. I have one day that I can hang out, and it's between these hours. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like Absolutely. I'm I, sorry, but like that's my life. Well, and I feel like that's... So I've talked about this with a bunch of friends lately, is we, we're hitting this point in life, uh, like people who are early 30s, late 20s, kind mm-hmm. of that zone where all of a sudden you are narrowing down. You yeah. are, you're, you're committing yourself to more things mm-hmm. consistently. 
And, and it means a loss of that social time. That's one of the deaths. That's mm-hmm. really hard. And I've been talking a lot about it in therapy yeah. because I think that that's a difficult thing for yeah. me as well is just saying, like, I'm not around my friends yeah. as much. And, like, what was a concept for friendship to me and a concept for what is acquaintanceship, like, now most of my friends look more like those acquaintanceships with how my, like, how much time I spend with them and what the level of interaction is. And it's yeah. just, like... But aren't they still my friends? Don't I still care about them? Yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's... It's hard. It's hard. It's a big change. Yeah. And and it's it's a shift. Yeah. I, yeah. It's it's interesting. My therapist was always talking a lot about it and just kind of been like... Like I was saying like, oh, this is hard and this is where I'm at and I feel like I'm losing all my friends. And yeah. I'm so about this. He's like, yeah. You know that this is what like a lot of people go through right now, right? And I was like, <laughs> no, yeah, okay. But like it's, it's like it's a me a bit more. And he's like, no, this is regular. Yeah, this is like it was, normal. It, that was like some shitty therapy. <laughs> like just uh, don't fucking tell me that. Tell me that this is not how it is. Yeah. And that it will change and it's changeable. Don't yeah. say like, no, that's your experience in something painful. And you just got to experience it because that's pretty regular. Yeah, that's life. That's life. Yeah, life life hurts. No, I think about that a lot. And I, like, for me, I, I've i been in Seattle now for seven years. Yeah. Um, seven and a half years. Six and a half years. And, uh, yeah, 2010. And it... Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, because in 2010 was that house concert that you and I played together with yeah. Johnny Gunner Jr. and Noah Gunderson. And so funny thing about that, yeah. my wife found an article, an old Falcon article about that house show. There was an article about our house show? There was an article about it. It was glow, glowing reviews. <laughs> well, that's because we're fucking amazing. Yeah, right. Cheers? Cheers to that. Dude, hell yeah. <laughs> okay, so you, you've been here for like seven... Seven years. Seven years. Now. And that was something that I, you know, I left... I went to school in Chicago at this small university called North Park University, mm-hmm. and I had great friends there. And my college experience was always marred with the fact that I, I just don't like school. Like, I don't like academia. <laughs> so I, like, struggled to get through. And every semester, I was like, I'm going to quit. What did you go to school for again? I, went, I majored in theology. Dude. Yeah, right? <laughs> you didn't even like it. And I didn't like it. And, but I got to the point, <laughs> I was at like junior year, and I, like halfway through my junior year, and I told my parents, I was like, I really, I just don't, I don't know if I want to finish it. And they were like, Tom, you are like almost done. Like just finish, just finish, just finish it. So I was like, fine, I'll finish it. And then I did it. And then I was like, I want to get out. I want to get out of Chicago. I want to get back. I want to get to Seattle and play music. Mm-hmm. But the thing about it was, and of course, you know, in retrospect, hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. That, like, I didn't take advantage of what the university had to offer, and I didn't take advantage of what Chicago had to offer, sure. and I didn't like let myself be okay with being where I was at that time. Sure. And I got to Seattle, and I, you know, naive as I was, I thought like, oh yeah, like I'll do this for like four years, and then I'll like be a national touring act and, like, do all this shit. Duh. It was like, Dude, duh. tell me one person who starts doing music that yeah. isn't thinking that exact right. same fucking thing. <laughs> right? So I was like, I, yeah, this will be, this will be, like, it'll be hard work, but it'll be, like, it's in the bag. Like, yeah, we'll do it. I'm pretty magic. Right. And so, I know people. <laughs> so I start this band, and then it, like, my, the person I started with leaves after a year, the band crumbles, and then I rebuild it, and it's taken now two and a half years with this, the same 
group just to like find a foundation. Mm -hmm. But in that, moving to this city, I have a lot of good friends and, and I have good friends that live here. But there is this sense of like, I feel like I'm I'm not like the core of people's group. Mm. That I'm always on this like preach the peripheral of people's groups. Absolutely. And that's been really hard. Yeah. And and like what you're talking about, like this this aspect of like losing friendships and for me it's like Seattle's home, but it's never like felt like home. Man, and, and here's the thing is like so Megan Brady, who also did the show not too long ago, she's super, super tight. I love her so much. Mm-hmm. She um, was talking with me about this concept like, it's all gone. All the beer oh, is gone. I'm sorry. Gone. I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. We yeah. got to do another one later. No, it's okay. It's okay. But I was, so I was talking with Megan, and this, I guess this was like last summer, but it still just stuck with me so strong, mm-hmm. is she was talking very much about this idea how, um, you know, she goes through that as well, where she really sees other people as really important, mm-hmm. similar, woo person, like you're, you're winning over others. Mm-hmm. Um, and just being like, that's because you prioritize people, you prioritize mm-hmm. their experience. And, and she was really hitting this idea of being the main character of her own story. Yeah. And it's just like that concept has been like such a mantra for me for this last year um, of just being like, no, I am... I can be my own story's main character. Mm-hmm. Other people can be main characters, but I like there's nobody in my life that I'm the secondary character to or that right. I'm the supporting character to their story. Like they can view me as that, but I can view me as that like 0%. Yeah. Like I have to say I'm the main character. Yeah. And and I think like when I started thinking that way, I did I started doing things like the podcast where I was just like it's going to be different than like my con- like my idea of what hanging out with people is, but right. this is, I'm just going to empower that to happen. Right. And it's just been such a hard thing to maintain, but mm-hmm. I, I think like it's very much that same idea of like I'm I know that I'm not invited. This, right. And it hurts. Yeah. It's like I know that like if I don't initiate, mm-hmm. no one else will. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that and that and that sucks and that sucks, but. Yeah. You know, I, I just say, you gotta just be like, well, but I'm the main character. If the main character doesn't do anything, the story doesn't progress. Right. So, right. I've gotta be pushing. And yes, of course, I want somebody else to be pushing. Right. But, life's just not like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I think it's just like, it's hard, it's one of those like painful things, but it's just like, nope. I've gotta, I've gotta teach people. I've gotta show them how to love me. Right. I've gotta show them how to like, give a shit yeah well and it's funny like because it on, on one hand it kind of sounds like really self-centered but it's not it's not about being self-centered it's more of like and this is something i had i've had to remind myself is like if i want to be like the core in a core group of friends like i need to make that happen like mm-hmm. i need to be the one that's like we're friends we're gonna be friends right. you know what i mean the people who who i have been in like a core group of friends are the people who like Shit's going down in their life, and I show up. Or yeah. shit's going down in my life, and they show up. Right. Like that, and then you just keep doing that. Right. Right. And yeah, and I think it's it's uh, for me. I'm like realizing like I think when you get into like what you're saying, like getting to the to this phase of life, you 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 kind of whittle out. You you start trimming the fat, so to speak, and and you start to focus on like what really matters to you. And who really matters to you? Mm-hmm. 
And I think that um, that's what I've been like trying trying to like discern, I guess is a good word for it, or mm-hmm. you know, figure out because I'm 29 now, going to be 30 next year, which is like terrifying. But at the same time, fucking hot for 30. Right. That's what they say. Gosh. Yeah, well, they say you really don't, you know, don't live until your 30s. I don't know. Probably this, true. Yeah, maybe they, maybe they don't say that. I don't know. I've never heard that, but I, I like true. that. You, you should get a t-shirt yeah, that says don't that. don't really live until your 30s. Oh, man. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so I've been, I, I th- I've been thinking a lot about community and about f- friendship and about what that means. And in fact, the, the song, the video that you referenced. Yeah. That song is about mm-hmm. that I wrote is about this idea where I keep looking back at this time that I had with this specifically with this group of guys that I lived with, and uh, and in college like we only lived together for like seven months, but mm-hmm. we've become and have maintained a friendship for now almost a decade, which is like pretty incredible, mm-hmm. you know, on on some level. Um, but I I know that like looking back that. I, I um, kind of idolize those situations and, and paint them with this kind of gold brush. Sure. Because if I really think about it, like, I also have to acknowledge the fact that, like, I wasn't that happy in college. Like, no, I, wasn't... I was literally, when you said that, I was like, I wonder if that was when I was in college. And you said that, I was like, oh, that's when you were in Chicago, the place where you were like, I've got to get out of here, this right. is where I want to be. No wonder you loved them so much. They were the only thing you had. Right. You, that's called Stockholm Syndrome. Right. You, were, you were literally being held captive, and you fell in love with the loving embrace of your captors. Oh, my gosh. Like, they were the loving embrace. I don't know if they would want to be... No, well, maybe. Well, maybe, too maybe. bad. Yeah, too bad. <laughs> they're, they're the captors. The Stockholm Syndrome Stockholm team. Stockholm Syndrome, yeah. Yeah. Man. But no, it's true. Like... It, I never thought about that. That it's like they were kind of the only. They were the they were the anchor for my life for a good two and a half years mm-hmm. in college, which, you know, goes a long way. And also, I mean, they were. It's the type of like it's a group of friends that like. You know, seamlessly can be incredibly silly and outrageous, but then have really serious and really like deep and heavy conversations like sure. all within like the same sure you know, it's got memories. a natural flow and you're familiar with that right. when the tides come yeah. and when they go and you're like yeah i can i can move with this yeah and yeah. i i think that you know it's kind of one of those things that even if you acknowledge like okay this is why i felt that way mm-hmm. whether that's the reason whether it's a different reason like it's your perspective yeah. it doesn't change just because all of a sudden you're aware of it like being aware of, like, your mindset and, like, being like, oh, I was experiencing endorphins. That's why I was happy in that moment. Like, so what? I was still fucking happy. Yeah, I right. like being happy. Give me more of those endorphins. Let's do that again. Yeah, right. Like, that's not a bad thing. Like, that's saying, like, no, I know yeah. causes for my love and I still had that love. Right, right. Yeah, yeah and I think it's it's also, you know, thinking about, I, I'm a much more, like, emotionally balanced person than I was, you know, seven years ago. So I think, I feel like right. I've been able to, like, I'm, I'm able to weather a lot more. Well, mm-hmm. and especially now, having gone through what we went through, I feel like I'm, like, got a thicker skin. Sure. Just from that. It just forces you to be, and, and to be that for Kelsey as well. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's a completely different thing. I And I, I very much recognize, like, how you told your story was... This is Tom's experience. This is what Tom went through. Yeah. And I would probably do the exact same thing if I was talking through some of mine. Heather's experiences yeah. just being like, this is my experience. If you want to hear her story, ask Heather. Yeah. She's got her own story. I'm going to let her tell it. Yeah. 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 It's just a, I mean, 
it's a completely different thing when you're married and you're just yeah. saying like, this is how I'm going to represent me. Um, and how do I let somebody else represent themselves when right. I'm in a, when I'm a gusher, right. when I'm a sharer, yeah. and I just want to put all this oh in. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, yes. I mean, okay, so, so many of the songs that I've been writing, and I'm yeah. sure you can relate to this, are around, mm-hmm. you know, the last four years that I've been married. Yeah. Things have been going with that. I'm sure that this is happening with you too, where you're like, well, fight or really intimate experience, and now, I wrote this, <laughs> and now it's public, it's for everyone. Does this hit you? Actually, no. Really? So, I, to be quite honest, I am not a... Uh, and this this new record that we're releasing uh, has probably the most personal songs that I've ever written. Because hmm. I'm not... A, I, I do not draw on my own experiences right. very You're much. often a storyteller. That's yeah. true. That's true. So, like, it's interesting because there are, you know, artists that we know um, that, like, hard on the sleeve... You, it's like, oh, that song, I know exactly what was going on in your mm-hmm. life because, like, I was living it with you, or I know that this is what sure, you were going through. Sure, that's the through. vast majority of the Seattle singer-songwriter. Right, that's right. their go-to, is tell tell the exact story. <laughs> like, like start with a metaphor and then kill the metaphor and say exactly what happened. Literally, I was that, smoking you wanna... a cigarette, having coffee <laughs> with this girl, and... <laughs> Dude, you want to break down, like, the last ten years of singer-songwriters? Oh, gosh, yeah. That's the method. Start with the metaphor, kill the metaphor, yeah. and tell the true story. But part of it, for me, part of it is that I... And and Kelsey, my wife, is uh, has been pushing me more... Uh, pushing against this in my own philosophy of how I write songs. But because... Well, I should just say what I'm going to say. So... <laughs> But, you know, for me, it's that I, I've never thought that I have experiences worth telling, which mm. is, you know, I, and maybe that says more about what I think people would want to listen to. Sure. Um, but I'm like, I, I don't have a, I'm not a crazy guy. Like, I don't, I don't seek out crazy adventure for the sake of writing a song. Like, sure. I'm not going to go drop everything and quit my job and then, like, travel the U.S. or, like, you know... I don't know. I'm not going to, like, try and have experiences so I have material. Sure. I feel like you're very much in that place of, like, people matter more. Right. You know? It's like, people matter more than me writing this song. Right. And it, if I do that, people all of a sudden matter less. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, it, I am very inspired by other people's experiences and other people's stories. And I think that, you know, there's, like I said, I'm a wooer, and I'm somebody who is incredibly empathetic and... and and very willing to like let people tell their story, and um, on this next this new record that my band is releasing called In the Valley Below, I'm gonna plug it a little bit. Dude, you are. Yeah. When is it coming out? Uh, March nineteenth. We're doing a CD release show at the Triple Door. Dude, uh, that's Denver, so great. Which is crazy. That's crazy. How I you, know. You've played there before, though, right? I played there once before, opening for Noah Gunderson. It right. was the first show that Lowlands ever played. That's a great place to start. Right? So, full circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, finally back to that level. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, on the record, there's a song called Disinherited, which I wrote. Um, I got... Uh, I'm a part of... I played shows with this uh, organization called the Bushwick Book Club. Hmm. Which does it's great organization. Um, they take books uh, and they get songwriters to read one book, you know, the same book, and then they do a show uh, where the songwriters will write a song for it and oh, perform it. 
cool. It's fascinating to like see it's a cool concept. Yeah, to see how a variety of different artists like approach, you know, what they're gleaning from these books. So I actually on our last record called The Whale, um, two of the songs on that record were songs that I had written for Bushwick Book Club. Mm, that's so cool. Right. So th- it's been, for me it's been a really great source of inspiration. I, uh, what were the what were the songs and what were the books? Yeah, I so, want both of these things. Yes, so on the whale, uh, the song "The Whale" right. is uh, was inspired by a book called um, uh, "She's Come Undone," hmm. um, which is a fantastically depressing book uh, hmm. and a kind of coming of age and finding identity, but about this girl who just has like a horrible upbringing and then gains a bunch of weight and then loses that weight, tries to kill herself, mm-hmm. like really intense. Uh, so a really uplifting song, right? right? <laughs> so there's a whale. And then uh, The King is also on that record, which was about, um, it's a song about baseball written, inspired by a book called Ball Four, written by mm. this guy named Jim Bouton, who um, was on the first Seattle uh professional baseball team called the pilots mm. and uh he wrote this tell-all book basically it's like diary style yeah and it's it like reveals a lot of like dirty secrets about the baseball industry in like the 60s and 70s cool which is cool yeah. but you're like oh baseball players are like gross and yeah. like it's like a, uh, it's a dirty gross organization Hmm. Very fascinating. Hmm. So I wrote The King about being what it's like to be a pitcher. Um, so those are the two that I wrote for hmm. Bushwick Club. So anyway, so Disinherited on this new record, also Bushwick song. Right. But this one, I got, uh, it was for a show called, uh, that is in, was in conjunction and uh, in partnership with this organization called Jack Straw. Hmm. Which is a organization in Seattle that supports writers and you're arts. You're teaching me about so many cool things, right? Yeah, I'm really excited uh, to check all of these things out. Yeah, and actually, it, Jack Straw does um, every year. They do kind of a grant funded um, artist support, so you can apply. You know, if you have a project in mind hmm. and you want to do it, you can write it. So I applied for it. I didn't get it this year, which was a bummer. Well, so and on the podcast, you wanted to say to them. He, you're giving me the middle finger. Right yeah, now. just no, big, big, no. <laughs> no, I... To I, the future goes, this is a lie. Yeah, yeah. You're just staring at me. I'm That's just okay. staring, yeah, yeah. Staring yeah. Okay, so you applied, you, this was in conjunction with them for the Bushwick? Yeah, yeah, so I, this was, I applied for their, pro, their for their you know sponsorship artist support program, which I didn't get. But for this show, got paired with a, a Jack Straw writer, and uh, so it was... Oh. Uh, so I got paired with this writer named Gigi Rosenberg, and she's from Portland, so we met for coffee and um, she sent me some sample writings and the idea was that the you know you would collaborate with this writer and write a song either together or however you wanted to do it so she sent me some samples of her writing and she was working on a memoir and she told me her her story and it's like so heavy like the basically the story is that her mom on her deathbed cut Gigi out of her will right before she died without telling her so she didn't know until she died and they read the will and they're like, she was like, wait, I like got literally cut out, you know, like all she got was like a couple shirts and like, you know, like $5,000, which, you know, in a, a state, you know, where right. there's like multiple houses and like mm. awful. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like really intense. She, she told me the whole thing. So I wrote the song about it um, almost quite literally, but it was like the type of thing where I'm like, Wow, this is such an intense experience that 
I feel like, <laughs> like I immediately was, was able to like tap into that and like put words to it and put melody to it mm. in a way that I, it's just hard for me to do that with my own life for whatever reason. Mm. I've wondered, I've been wondering, you know, to be quite honest, um, with the experience with Lucas and like, because it's been such an intensive thing, you know, obviously raising a child, but like, I've been wondering if that's going to start to bubble up and if that will start coming out as songs. Sure. Yeah. Have you ever tried like, like removing yourself from your own stories, like to like replacing yourself Mm. with another character who is living the exact same experience and and trying to imagine like, like your you're, you're saying, like, okay, what is this story if it's not me? Like, I, I so I, I have done this sometimes, and I like this practice, and I think it's a cool, a cool game to play when you're, like, I don't know how to th- not only get that water. Yes. I, I, it's okay. You're just peeing right on the floor. <laughs> peeing right in my You're in the middle of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you are... Uh, when you're 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 engaging with this stuff and you're like I don't know n- not even like I'm trying to write a song but I'm mm-hmm. trying to know what I think yeah. about this experience to just say well pretend I'm an outsider pretend yeah. I this isn't my brain that isn't carrying this real baggage yeah. what if I what if I'm somebody else yeah even take a real person that you know or or real character or a fictional character and put them in that spot what are they thinking mm-hmm. going through the exact same thing acting the exact same way that you're acting, mm-hmm. how are you perceiving that? Yeah. And I, I think, like, you know, not that I'm telling you how to change your songwriting no. style, because your songwriting style is super dope. Yeah. I really <laughs> like it. Um, but, like, I think that it, it can, you know, especially because you're talking about this in very much a, like, I don't know, you keep on coming back to these ideas of, like, I'm not... I'm not the main character in yeah. my friendships. I'm not the main character in my songs. I... I'm not, like, good enough for other people to hear, like, the stories about my stuff. Like, that's not what's interesting to them. Yeah. Like, which is, is crazy because you're, like, this highly, like, self-presenting person. I feel like you're very outgoing. You're yeah. very welcoming. And I don't see you as somebody who is, like, not a fan of Tom. Mm. Like, I feel like you're probably a fan of Tom, but I think I'd be surprised yeah. to find out that that's not true. But yeah. I, that doesn't mean that it's not possible. Yeah. No, I mean, this is, yeah, this, this is interesting revelation. <laughs> Man, should we do this once a week? <laughs> well, it's $50. Uh, yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think you're right. Like, I think, I think there is a, an aspect of, like, the, I, yeah, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know if it's insecurity or if it's just general meekness that I, I think I've learned... Um, I used, well, I should say this. I'm going to verbally process a little bit Please. here. Please. This is a podcast. It's a podcast. It's the only, if you, if you, like, go through this by just, like, visual images, no one will know. No. I'm going to interpret this through song, through, through dance. Yeah. All right, the podcast is over. Raph to show no, no, you. No, no, verbally process. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Jokes. No, no, it's Fuck okay. these jokes. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, no, just thinking, like, I think in... You know, when I was in high school, especially, I was m- much more like almost aggressively outgoing, mm-hmm. and and really like in a way like center of attention. Maybe you know, not like in a, like a um, I don't know. I, I tried to be aware of other people and have always you know wanted to let people tell their story. But I think when I 
got into college, I became really good friends with, with a lot of introverts, quite mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. And my wife being an introvert and me being an extrovert, um, I've, I think I've swung a little bit more past center to the other side of, of saying like, I, you know, people don't need to be uh, presented with the Tom Buffet, you know, necessarily, <laughs> if that makes sense. If Lowlands doesn't work out, <laughs> let me tell you about your next band, The Tom Buffet. <laughs> it's a hit. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, people don't need to be presented with The Tom Buffet. To The Tom Buffet, like, all the time. You know, that, like, it's, there, there is value in, like, letting, letting, letting people be themselves and then, mm-hmm. like, slowly introducing yourself into that. Mm. And I think that's that's what I've like because be, like again being married to an introvert and being married to someone who is like so kind and so thoughtful and such a calming presence for people like I've had to learn how to like not be this like crazy like oh yeah, right, yeah right, I'm your friend everybody's my friend right, let's all be friends like, I, I went to school for theology yeah. and I wanted to be a youth pastor yeah. Tom we can tell yeah, we knew when you walked in here the and you gave down. everyone hats <laughs> <laughs> they match just, they're for the birthday yeah, party just chill just out just chill out yeah and then you know and it was interesting too I was friends with somebody in college that was also very extroverted, mm-hmm. and I think because our personalities were like very similar, I I in college w- like went the opposite. So he was like mm. joyful, gregarious, and then I became like moody, self-absorbed. Mm-hmm. You know, in college again, my like rough years of like right, right. self identity. Um, so then now I think like again I feel like in the past like year or so I've been able to like come to a. Uh, more balanced place in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting, yeah, thinking about, like, I don't know, like, do people want to hear my stories or hear my experiences? And maybe they do. And maybe I should just buck it up and start writing. Well, and I'm not even saying, like, you have to start writing your own stories. Like, I again, I'm going to go back to, like, I think that your songwriting style is really dope. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I like the things you create. I think that you're, like, relatively, like, pretty prolific. Like, mm-hmm. I think that you're writing at, like, a, a good pace, which, yeah. is, which is super, super tight. Um, I mean, what do I know? But, like, yeah. at, at the same time, like, I think all I'm saying in that is, like, again, like, I hope you're a fan of Tom. Yeah. No, I think I'm a fan of, I think I'm a fan of Tom. <laughs> I think Tom's pretty tight. Yeah. Well, that's good. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. I think it's, yeah, I, I think I'm becoming more of a fan of my of myself. Yeah, good. Um, which is, uh, again, like, I saw I, the Strength Finder thing. It's this mm-hmm. book that you can you read through, and you take this quiz, and it tells you, like, five strengths. Mm-hmm. So I took it a couple years ago, and it, like, knowing that it wasn't going to be, wasn't going to tell me what I was going to be in my life. It wasn't going to, like prescribe, like, an identity. Right, it, was it wasn't, gonna... like, one of those school things where it's like, this is your career, which right. is maybe the worst thing that oh, schools gosh, do. So, yeah. Like, I don't know a single person that took that and thought, that made me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> that empowered me. Yeah, I have a better idea no, of what those I Those are exclusively soul-crushing. Yeah, <laughs> right? Oh, my gosh. Um, no, and it, but it gave me, like, language to use of, like, knowing 
what I, how I am. And so, like, woo is on, on the list, but it's not my top strength. Oh. My top strength is, it's called futurist, futurist. But it basically is, and then I was like, gosh, this makes sense. But if you were like, I want to start a podcast, I would immediately, and I did when you told me this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is great. You could have this thing, you could start doing yes. this, and then pretty soon you could have multiple interviews, and then we could get an office space, and then you could be a giant thing. Like, all of a sudden I had this like 10-year plan mm-hmm. already set for you, big picture. Dude, I am also, I haven't done this book, but I can just tell you right now, I'm also in that place. So Heather's doing a big project right now where she um, is doing, she's taking re- and repurposing uh, clothes that she's getting and mm-hmm. she's repurposing um, like really cool like housewares and stuff like that mm-hmm. and she's just curating all of the stuff it's really beautiful it's mm-hmm. really exciting and she's like selling it at an affordable price rather than like crazy exorbitant prices right, that you right. see a lot of time like hey here's the shirt it's $70 it's like yeah. no here's the shirt it's like a little bit more than I paid for it yeah you know yeah, yeah. I found it and yeah. I have to keep this going but like um, it's it's really cool and as soon as like she started doing this like, the other day, she was literally like, hey, this is what I'm doing next. And my mind thought, that's not what you should do next. You should do this next instead. And, my, and like, I started to say something. And I was like, you know, that's awesome. That's great. You know, that's awesome. And then she was like, what? And I was like, nothing. I think that's tight. I think that's super tight. And she's like, thanks, Andy. I was like, you're welcome. Because who the fuck cares right. if you go down my path or if you go down yours? Yeah. Like, I'm such a, also a Taurus. Like, I want to be like, it's this way. Right. It's this way. Like, I'm the aggressive driver. Mm, I'm like, mm. like when someone turns right and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you're going that way to get there? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I, I hate it. I, yeah. This is a, a quality about myself that I hate. It also empowers me to do yeah. a lot of white male things that I, right. that are like equally providing and also a little embarrassing to myself. Right. Um, but like, yeah, I can totally see that in myself as well. Do you think, is that like, I'm going to pivot to your band. Yeah. Bears and other carnivores. Do you are, is, does that come into play pretty heavily in the band situation? I think that that's one of those things where I say, would say yes sometimes, but because I've done so much band stuff, like, I've learned how not to do it. I know how poisonous that is. Mm. Um, and similar to, like, with Heather, like, I can stop myself before it happens. And I can stop myself in the band. Like, um, we've very much, like, taken a lot of time to really talk about what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing it? And how are we going to do it? Mm-hmm. Um, and just really creating a space where there are no wrong choices. Mm-hmm. Like, you can always make a mistake. Because if you don't have a space where you can make a mistake... Um, you're never going to try right. for for the best possible thing, yeah. Because you have to fuck up a bunch to get something good, right? Um, and so, like in that, like if somebody says, "Hey, we should try that," the answer is just always like, "Yeah, we should try that." Yeah. Even if I don't think it's the right way, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I've, we've already decided yeah. corporately. The answer is, "Yeah, we should try that." Yeah. And so, like, I'm also very much. Oh, I need rules. I like rules. I like structure. And if mm. I have rules, then I can I can do it. Mm-hmm. It's great. When I don't have rules and and no expectations, I feel panicked. <laughs> so like the the best case scenario for me is like whether it like the bigger than my way or the highway, it's as long as there is a way 
and we all agree to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my way can become that way. Yeah. And now it's my way. Yeah. You know, I've taken on a new I've way. taken it over and now yeah. it's my way. Yeah, it's we're doing my... it my way. We are all doing it yeah. that way. We decided this. Yeah, right, we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, awesome. So maybe the answer is still, yes, I do do that. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like if I'm honest. Yeah, maybe I still do. Yeah. Because that. that's also interesting is that, that that when it comes to the band, uh, I think my confidence, within the band, my confidence level goes up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And I think with, uh, now that I have a band that I've played with now for, like the lineup um, has been two and a half years. Sure. Like we've gotten very comfortable with each other. And like musically speaking. Took him to the leather shop. Yeah, took him to the leather shop. You know, we've gotten very comfortable. Very comfortable. And then very uncomfortable. Yeah. And we never talked about it yeah. again. We actually met each other on Casual Encounters on Craigslist. Oh, nice. Yeah. M seeking, Evan seeking, M seeking band. <laughs> happens that we all happen to play music. Yeah. Like, well, we might as well start a band. That's not an untrue scenario. <laughs> that's not like a super un... Like, that's someone's real story. I would love it if there was a movie, like an indie film, about that. Yeah. Someone should make it. We started out as an orgy. Yeah. They're British, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we started out as an orgy. Yeah. Uh, and then Tom picks up the bass. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I said, Tom, that's my bass. He's, okay, well, I'll play the guitar then. And we just started jamming. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that's the story. Next thing you know, we're on Top 40 Radio. Classic rock. <laughs> but yeah, so in the band, it's interesting to be... Um, yeah, what we were talking about before, like, uh, am, I, am, am I a fan of Tom? And I think for the most part, yes. I think there are some aspects of my life that, like, I, I'm a little self-deprecating. Sure. I think most people can yeah. be like that. But with... I've gained a lot of confidence in knowing that, like, this is my band. This is something that I started. Mm-hmm. And within that, I have a very clear vision of what I want to do with it. Mm-hmm. With that being said, <laughs> I'm also not a dictator. I don't I don't think. Right. It would be nice to have the other band members here to speak into that. Right. But. Most dictators don't know that they're yeah, dictators. Right. <laughs> and maybe I'm not. But I will say I that, like. I would be surprised. I, I make a very conscious effort to to check my ego at the door. Because I'm, like, the, I'm the main songwriter. So I bring in the songs and then we build up, you know, a song. So I have to be willing, if I bring in something, I have to be willing it to let it, like, be totally chopped. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. You, and I think that that's a good songwriter. Is yeah. somebody who is willing to let other people make changes to it. Yeah. Because, and and at the same time, also have integrity and yeah. say, like, I know when I will say, yeah, I'm willing to try that. Yeah. But I also know when we try something, if it was good or if it was bad. Yeah. And that's that's where, like, sometimes the tricky thing can be, can be, and this hasn't happened very often. Like, we're, we've grown to, like, know. Sure, people have similar tastes. Yeah, similar tastes. You yourself like, with people that you respect. And understanding, like, we now have a better idea of, like, what we want to collectively sound like. So we can kind of, can all kind of agree, like, that was a great part. That was really cool. But it doesn't really necessarily fit what we're, like, the, the sound that we're Absolutely. trying to achieve. But um, there hasn't been very many times where it's been, like, one person or a couple people like this way and the other people like this way. But in the times that it has, that we've kind of come down to it, that's when, like, I usually am like, this is what I like, and that kind of sways. No, and that's true, and I think that that is, if you've created the structure where you're, like, where that's appropriate, Mm -hmm. then great. 
Yeah. Like, what's important is living into the truth that you've agreed to together. Yeah. Like, if that was not the truth, where you're like, no matter what, we always agree, we always make a unanimous decision, and all of a sudden you're like, well, we're going to do this, people would be like, mm, this band's probably about to end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, bands don't end because you had musical differences. Bands end because you had emotional differences. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's and it's interesting, you know, approaching the music, I, being someone that is very uh, personable or, you know, very concerned about the interpersonal relationships within the band, but also understanding that, like, I know that it's important to give people a voice. So, like you said before, like, when somebody's like, why don't we try it like this? It's like, absolutely. Let's try it like that. Let's see how it goes. Sure. The unfortunate thing, and maybe you experience this too, is that, like, I'll bring in a song, and I'll have an idea of, like, maybe this is what I want it to sound like, whatever, but then we'll start working on it, and then it'll kind of evolve. But it, like, takes us so long to, like, get to a final version of a song yeah. that, like, we have songs that we've been working on for the better part of, like, four or five months that are still, like... That's a short timeline in my in, mind. Really? Yeah. Okay, that... I don't think that's unusual. Okay, that's good. Because I feel like some other artists are just able to, like, crank out shit so quickly. Yeah, some are. <laughs> and we're like, oh, we've been playing, like, this one song live for, like... A year and haven't, you know, done anything with it anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I think that, I think that I'm much in the, in the standpoint where I was like, that stuff is just constantly developing. Like, I mean, also we're not trying to like hit the road and make money off this. We're right. trying to like live our lives and also play music because we really, really love it. Yeah. And we really care about these things and, and it's fun for us. And if we hit the road sometimes like fun, great, cool, yeah. but like, you know, we people in the band have kids or houses or and right. have jobs and right. and it's just like yeah like let's constantly evolve it let's right. let's let's never like when is it finished it's not it does, that's not a thing that happens right and so we have songs that we're still changing that I wrote whoo five years ago yeah you know and I'm still making adjustments to them why not yeah who cares yeah anyways. Anyway. Um, I really like the stuff you're playing. You you have the album that you're dropping. Yes. March this month, 19th? 19th. At the Triple Door. At the Triple Door. Dude, that's so soon. Yeah. And then are you weeks. touring it? Uh, we, not immediately. Um, we are going to try and do a couple little mini tours in May and June. Um, working on getting those booked. Dude. Um, yeah. It's hard with five, five members. Is, of course. Is tough to... To, to do it, like you said, when people have jobs, so, but I am, I'm wanting to start doing, like, solo dates to, like, pre, like, warm-up Absolutely, I think that there's nothing wrong with, with a band and saying, like, okay, I'm gonna do other material as the individual, yeah. too, because I have the time and space and energy, mm. and I'm willing to go do this, and if we're trying to sell merch, yeah, and get people to show up, like, I can create a vibe. Yeah, and we, like, going in... As a solo act, if you do it enough, you can get a little bit of a of a foothold into a new area. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. There's a lot, but no. But we're very excited about this record. Um, it definitely. So our first record was great, and it has great songs on it. But this definitely feels a lot more cohesive. Feels like we have an identity as a band. The stuff I've heard, I'm really excited about. Yeah, so I'm really excited. Cool man.
Well, I like talking with you. I'm excited to hear that music. Yeah. Um, keep me appraised as to when you guys hit up those tours and when yeah. you're going out to. Yeah. I want to know about that. Absolutely. Cool. Thank dude. you for chatting with me. Yeah, thanks for talking with me. I like yeah. you a lot. Yeah, I like you. Cool. Anything you feel like you didn't get to talk about that you wanted to talk about on the podcast? Oh, man. It is a podcast. It is a podcast. Uh, just the album release is the big thing. The band is a big thing. Um, I like doing this. I love talking. So I don't know how many listeners you have. Like 100? Yeah, 200? Something like 400, that. 400,000. Well, after this episode... It's going to be crazy, because yeah. we're hot well, shit. We're really moving towards uh, the BDSM community, and I feel like <laughs> this is really the thing. With all the hashtags on oh, the I slash should, tags, yeah. it's going to... It's going to... Yeah. I should just say, I'm not into BDSM. It scares me. I got you, Tom. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. I'll see you later tonight. I'll see you later tonight. Well, dude. Well, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.